Welcome back to the Dad Chronicle. I'm your host, Alex Albisu. This is episode 103. This is the final episode of our education series. We started this series back when the pandemic of coronavirus, COVID-19 started, and I have a very good friend of mine, Becca Colbreth, on the show. Becca is a teacher. She teaches kindergartners, and she is just such an energy. She brings a lot of really great positivity to the conversation, and we talk about a lot of important topics and also important struggles that parents and kids and teachers are all facing alike. First, we talked to Becca about how she sees a positive light in all of the chaos of teaching online. There's just a lot of joy to be had in those moments, and so I know that they're chaotic and crazy, but really they're just rooted in the joy of seeing each other and connecting, and I think that that's what we all need to hang on to. Next, we talk about how schools and teachers are supporting parents to become teachers during this pandemic at home. We as schools and as teachers are trying to provide a buffet And then as parents, you get to go to the buffet and decide what nourishes your children. Becca shares why parents should be self-forgiving if you're feeling like you're not doing enough. The most important thing for everyone right now, everyone, students and parents included, is give yourself some grace. We talk about how parents really know what their kids need during this time where they're expected to be a teacher. I think that parents know their kids the best. You know, parents know their kids in and out. And you spend a lot of time with this human and you know their background and you know, um, you know, their quirks and their personality and their likes and dislikes. And I think you just have to honestly trust your gut and just love them like crazy. And finally, we talk about how you can bring learning into everyday situations. I think one of the best opportunities that is coming of this whole time right now is the opportunity to really make memories and make meaning of their learning. And what I what I mean when I say meaning making is creating situations where kids are learning so much, but not, might not realize that it's learning. Here's my conversation with Becca Colbreth. Becca Colbreth, welcome to the Dad Chronicle. How are you tonight? Hello. You know, I'm doing okay. Hold up at home, keeping safe like everybody else. <laughs> yes, that's we're in this quarantine time. It is challenging. Miss seeing you. Uh, it's, it sucks that we couldn't do this in person. We talked about doing this in person earlier, but, uh, for everybody listening at home, Becca is an old, old friend of ours. Um, she, Hey, watch it. I'm uh, not that old, old. She's an old friend of ours and, um, and a wonderful human being and a great teacher. Uh, I always love talking to you about stories with your kids and she's here to talk to us about childhood, uh, kind of development and, and some of the things that parents could be doing with their kids at home, especially during this really challenging time, uh, this COVID situation. So, uh, before we jump into any of that, Becca, you want to introduce yourself to the folks at home? Yeah, absolutely. So I am Becca. I've been teaching for about eight years now. Um, I have some experience teaching preschool, the junior kindergarten age group, and then the love of my life is just kindergarten. I've been in kindergarten for several years. It's such a neat year of growth and development, and it's always really impressive. Um, And so my background educationally is actually in reading education. So that is totally my passion and just reaching kids as they're falling in love with stories and falling in love with reading is really special to me. That's been really fun talking to you about, especially with Aria and her kind of, you know, growing into the idea of like, she knows what books are. And now she's kind of finding like little ways to 
interact with books and want to read with us and stuff like that. It's been kind of cool. I, I remember when she was born, you were like, got to get this book and this book and this book. Uh, that's really I remember fun. at Deanna's baby shower, we played a game where you had to, by one line of the book, you had to identify the name of the children's book, and I won. <laughs> of course you did. Of course you did. <laughs> but I remember just being so impressed at all the book choices because I think having, you know, a print-rich household is so important. And falling in love with reading starts at home. You know, children become readers on the laps of their parents. That quote rings very true. So you guys have done an awesome job with Aria. Oh, that's great. Thank you. And uh, I want to also call out how we met because uh, you and Deanna were roommates. We've known each other since college. Um, Let me think. The first time that that we met, oh gosh, I can't even remember. Do you remember the first time that we had met? Probably 2008. Yeah, 2008. Man, it's been over 10 years, Becca. (laughs) How are we this, I'm going to sip my wine on that. Yeah, I was about to say, we need to take a drink to that. Uh, how, uh, man, that's just crazy to think of. So yeah, crazy. for folks at home, uh, Becca and Deanna were roommates in college. And you guys lived together how many years? Three, I think it was. Yeah. yeah. Three out of four years of college we were together. Yeah. And those were, those were really fun times. Because I used to go down and visit you guys um, – Sometimes I'd just pop up and sometimes mm-hmm. they would be planned and it was a, a lot of fun hanging out with you guys. And, and now you're always up here. Always such a gracious house guest. Yeah. And then uh, we would always uh, go out bowling or go to bars and mm-hmm. just other stuff. It was so fun. So uh, and, and it's great because you live in the area now and, and we get to see you uh, every once in a while. It's, it's always a pleasure. And now I get to yeah. have you on my podcast. How do these things just keep evolving, Becca? I know. Life is crazy, crazy. like that. It's crazy. <laughs> and here we are. We're adults now with jobs and, and kids, in my case. Um, very strange. Who would ever strange. thought it would happen to us? I know, right? We were just uh, we were babies in college. So, you know, uh, one thing that I love about talking, um, t- well, talking to you about specifically is some of the stories that you have as a teacher. Like you said, that you, you really uh, love that kindergarten age. That's a funny, funny age. You yes. have some really funny stories, and obviously, like we want to keep the kids anonymous, but I think that just as an icebreaker, you got any couple of stories that you want to share with the audience? No, it was funny actually. I was just talking to my sister, and so obviously, we've all been home quarantined for now, you know, over a month. My school is completely closed down, and I am doing distance learning and virtual teaching now, which is really bizarre and strange um, for any teacher. But also, when you think about the five and six year old age group, it's really crazy. So um, I was talking to my sister and I said, you know, what I realized is I have not had a hug in a month. (laughs) And she was like, that's kind of a weird thing to say. And I said, no, no, I'm a kindergarten teacher. Usually I have well over 100 every day. So for me to actually be at home, for this long and not hug anybody. It just feels against my nature. It feels very strange. Um, But I have to say this journey of teaching online has been really, really hilarious. And kids by nature, I feel like their exposure to video chatting and Zoom calls and FaceTime and all of that is really based on showing off to their grandparents and things like that. So 
as soon as we jump into what we are calling Zoom school, the kids run and grab their pets or they run and grab something cool that they got that they want to show you or some artwork that they've been doing. And they've just been hysterical jumping in and trying to talk to each other over Zoom and um, just kind of buzzing all around, getting up and dancing in the middle of Zoom classes. It has been absolutely hilarious. But those are the moments that bring me the most joy because I feel like that's their authentic, true selves that they're still able to be even in quarantine. Yeah, that's true. That That's so funny. I mean, that's one thing Aria does. Uh, we are lucky enough to where the teachers, it's like every other weekend or so, uh, hop on with some of the kids that can join from, from home on Zoom. Mm-hmm. And Aria the entire time is, hey, over here, let me show you this thing over here. And she's like running over and she's grabbing her toy. She's, look at this toy. Daddy, daddy, you see how they're looking at my toy? And I'm like, yeah, honey, yeah. But like they're trying to talk to you. And she's like, yeah, but then we got Finn over here. And she's showing the dog and all that stuff. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, it's weird. It's there. You know, they're so used to their school life and their home life being two separate things. And so it's been really impressive to see how they have merged that And, you know, just been really open and honest and kind. And I feel like, honestly, there's just a lot of joy to be had in those moments. And so I know that they're chaotic and crazy, but really they're just rooted in the joy of seeing each other and connecting. And I think that that's what we all need to hang on to. Oh, totally. Now, uh, you're experiencing this whole digital learning thing. What's been your biggest challenge in the actual like day to day of trying to execute on that, especially with kindergartners? Yeah, it's definitely been a huge challenge. And I think it's really different for every teacher. And I think it's really different for every school. And I think that, um, you know, meeting the needs of children um, academically, socially, emotionally, all of that is so complex. But it's hard to know and it's hard to do that and see kind of what they need without seeing them face to face. And we also recognize that every household is different. You know, if you have grandparents that live with you or if you have, you know, another set of hands on deck, that is so helpful as far as getting their schoolwork done. But we recognize that there are parents who are working full time at home and then trying to also facilitate learning. Um, I think kind of trying to strike the balance has been really, really difficult for schools across the country, just talking to even other teacher friends, trying to help everyone stay challenged, stay engaged, um, keep learning, but also not be overwhelmed and recognize that this is unprecedented, what we're living through right now. And there is no necessarily right or wrong. You know, there's no guidebook for this. Um, And I think one of the best things I heard in a conference the other day was, we as schools and as teachers are trying to provide a buffet. And then as parents, you get to go to the buffet and decide what nourishes your children. And I thought that was a perfect analogy, you know, to kind of think about certain things might fall by the wayside in your home and that's okay. You know, sometimes you have to just prioritize things. And then other days you might be able to squeeze in every single academic thing that teachers are providing Um, but like I said, there's no right or wrong right now. We're all in this together, just trying to do our best. What what do you say to those parents who are perhaps keeping themselves at a really high standard, trying to really keep up with everything? Uh, perhaps they have multiple kids. They're, uh, dealing with a lot of stress with work. 
Mm-hmm. What, what do you say Absolutely. to them? I think the most important thing for everyone right now, everyone, students and parents included, is give yourself some grace. Um, we all are in need of a little grace, a little love right now. And it's been kind of interesting how the past couple of weeks, you know, seeing my students virtually and trying to kind of figure out what this is all going to look like as the year wraps up over the next month. Um, it really kind of boils down to the foundations of education. And, you know, when I went to school to learn how to teach, obviously this is not something that I ever learned about. You know, I didn't pursue virtual um, academies and that kind of thing. I, but I did learn about things like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You know, Mm -hmm. are students safe? Are they fed? Are they in a space where they are able to actually learn and are able to engage with others, you know, and kind of meeting the basic needs before we can compound upon that with other things, I think has been, you know, really an interesting reset in a lot of people's brains, both teachers and parents. You know, it's, it's interesting to kind of think through your child's eyes, what is this going to look like in their memory? You know, we as adults will look back and think, about specific memories of this and wow, certain things were so crazy and the shortage of toilet paper and I learned how to bake bread and, you know, we'll all come out of this with different memories. But, you know, when you look at a five-year-old or a 10-year-old, what are they going to remember? They're going to remember my family and I spent a lot of time together. You know, I created really strong bonds with my family. I FaceTimed with my grandparents. I did some new hobbies. I cooked in the kitchen with my parents. You know, the things that they will remember I think that's a good way to kind of help parents take a deep breath and settle. Um, I saw a hilarious meme the other day, and it was said, you know, for all the parents who are out there worried about, are you doing enough? Is your child on fire? Yes or no? And that's really the question that you kind of need to go on right now. Because it really comes down to, are you meeting their needs? Are they fed? Are they healthy? Are they safe? And the rest will come. You know, we can teach all the things. We can teach reading. We can teach math. We can teach, you know, number sense, all of those things. But what we can't teach and undo is some kind of social emotional trauma or response to dealing with this really unprecedented time. Yeah. That's doing a great job. Yeah. To give themselves grace. I agree. I I think that that's so important. That's something that we talk a lot about on the show is just do your best. You, You know, when you're doing your best. Uh, and give yourself a little bit of, of slack. And I think that this is one of those times where it's okay. So I, I agree. And, and you touched on something, and this is kind of a good, good segue, just thinking about, uh, you know, how to meet kids where they are developmentally mm-hmm. at their age, at their, you know, um, at their ability. And uh, I am curious to hear your point of view, given some of your background and, and, the years that you've taught, but then also your training and everything else. What should parents keep in mind at the various age groups? You know, if we think about parents that listen to this show, it's people from, you know, newborns to adult children, um, adult children, adult, like their, own, their kids are <laughs> no, adults. No, I think that's very true. I <laughs> yeah, think adult no. children is a really realistic way to think of a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm curious, uh, how should parents look at the various stages in which their kids are at and how to work with them during this time? Yeah, I think, you know, pandemic times and also just in in normal day to day, I think that parents 
know their kids the best. You know, parents know their kids in and out. And you spend a lot of time with this human and you know their background and you know, um, you know, their quirks and their personality and their likes and dislikes. And I think you just have to honestly trust your gut and just love them like crazy. You know, parents fiercely love their kids and all the choices that you make for your kids are rooted in that. Um, and you know, it's, going to look different for everybody because everyone's child is different. So, you know, as far as development and kind of understanding that, I think it's easy to get caught up in sometimes some of the, you know, benchmarks and some of the expectations. Um, But, you know, as a parent, for example, you're going to choose a school that is going to meet the needs of your child and your family. So, talk to those teachers at that school. You chose that school for a reason. And so talking to the teachers of a child um, is going to be a great insight to their day-to-day and their needs and their readiness. But you can kind of rely on the fact that you chose that because you know them well as their parent, you know? And I think one of the big things that is really difficult sometimes in as far as the difference between school and home is everyone needs a place to just be totally safe and be able to completely let loose. And, you know, at school, it's never going to be acceptable to get mad and slam the door. But at home, maybe everyone needs a little space to behave a little bit differently. You know, and I think that that kind of goes back to what I said about parents giving themselves a little grace. You know, there should be clear guidelines and clear expectations for behavior and growth and academics and all of those kinds of things in your home. But giving, you know, your kids some space to grow and lots of space to fail and sit with that discomfort. Um, you know, it's important because they're going to have to learn all these life lessons at home and at school. And so if they're learning them at home, it really just does nothing but support what they're doing at school. So, I mean, I guess really what I'm saying is it all comes from love. You know, you love your kids like crazy and you send them places where you know they're loved like crazy. And, you know, what better situation could you have? I love that. That's that. That's beautiful, man. <laughs> well done. That was great. So uh, I, I want to talk about some, some tangibles that people can also uh, take away from somebody that mm-hmm. works with young kids every single day. Uh, a lot of us here have young kids uh, listening to the show. What are some activities that you're giving your, you know, five-year-olds to do with their parents? Uh, and even thinking about, yeah, some of the specific things that, that they're doing, but also kind of the why and how that feeds into their um, area of development as, a, you know, a young child. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think one of the best opportunities um, to kind of be a sunshine seeker in this whole situation I think one of the best opportunities that is coming of this whole time right now is the opportunity to really make memories and make meaning of their learning. And what I what I mean when I say meaning making is creating situations where kids are learning so much, but not, might not realize that it's learning. Um, for example, I have a lot of kids and have you know some friends who are teachers. They've been talking a lot about getting pictures of what kids are cooking. What a neat math lesson and science lesson. You know, that's a real tangible way to understand what is happening in the kitchen um, in a mathematical kind of way and be able to analyze that a little bit. 
you know, kids who are listening to podcasts, kids who are watching documentaries and then are, you know, finding things that they're curious about and diving in more and learning research strategies, you know, the more meaningful it is to their life, the more they're going to really retain that knowledge. Um, so everything from looking at the clock on the wall and kind of timing yourself and timing things, um, I think is a really cool way to do it. You know, young kids especially love to learn about time and money because those are really um, kind of grown up seeming skills. So I think anytime you can get some money out and play with that and explore that, um, that just means a lot to them. And it seems so realistic. So whether it's building with Legos, you know, that's engineering. It's just kind of taking a step back and realizing that all of this play is really intentional. Um, like you said, Aria learning to, you know, act out some of the characters and her favorite stories. That's work on comprehension. That's work on fluency. Um, and so that's what I mean with parents. You know, you're doing great things all the time and you might not even realize it. So if your child is feeling a little reluctant to get out their books that were sent home by their teacher and is feeling a little reluctant to jump on and do some of the Zoom lessons or whatever it is, um, just know that you can be teaching them in other ways um, and kind of reaching their brain in other ways that doesn't have to look like traditional school because it's no wonder they're undone right now, you know, and they might be a little overwhelmed and that's okay. So there's different kind of ways to do it. That's so true. I, I think that at one thing that I've learned in the past several, you know, well, it's been weeks now at this point, but the, you, you kind of find little ways to teach and sprinkle teaching into every little thing that you do. And I've had Aria with me in the kitchen explaining like, oh, you see the bubbles, bo or the bubbles boiling in the water. That means it's hot, mm -hmm. right? Like kind of if we're, if we're boiling noodles, oh, noodles yeah. or something else. And, you know, making sure she doesn't touch it, but she can kind of hold her hand out and she can feel how warm it's getting and mm -hmm. uh, and stuff and like that. And then the steam on her hand, you exactly. know, and she's like, why does my hand feel wet? Oh, that's the moisture. You know, those moments, it's funny because I sometimes say that I feel like some learning happens in spite of us, not because of us. And I think that's a perfect example of that. You know, that that is totally a science experiment happening in your kitchen, but it's in a way that is so organic and so authentic for her that she will take so much away from that, which I is really that. cool. Yeah. So those are, those are kind of younger kids. And if we think about, uh, kids maybe in perhaps more advanced stages who need a little bit more stimulation, what are some <laughs> of the things that parents should take into consideration? Yeah, this is a really difficult time because we are not only leaning, you know, as educators, we're leaning on parents a lot um, to meet these academic needs, but we're also expecting a lot of kids. You know, we're changing, they kind of have had the rug ripped out from under them um, as far as the complete dynamic of their day. And so I think that they deserve a lot of credit and they deserve a lot of patience and understanding, but also knowing that as kids get older, it's really important to help them build their self-regulation and their autonomy when it comes to their learning. So, you know, if you have, let's say, a middle schooler that is struggling to get their work done or, you know, is just kind of feeling really reluctant or feeling maybe down on themselves about some of their schoolwork, you know, now is the time to maybe kind of unpack some strategies that they're using. Um help them understand the tools in their toolbox, you know, maybe set a timer 
and every five minutes I get an M&M or, you know, after 20 minutes I can stop this activity or maybe change your schedule. You know, if, if I'm not feeling it right now and I can't do math right now, then I'm going to set my timer or my alarm for three o'clock and I'm going to do math at three o'clock instead, because then I know I can do other things during the day, you know, kind of helping them figure out these strategies that can give their brain a little reset. Because I think that that's something we all do as adults, you know, like for example, last night I went to bed with a sink full of dirty dishes because I just couldn't do it. I didn't want to get out the sponge and like get in there. Mm -hmm. It just, the thought of it exhausted me, but I knew I was making a choice to get up this morning extra early to clean out, you know, the sink before I started my work day. So helping kids kind of realize that life is about choices and they get some autonomy, I think is really motivating, um, particularly for older kids, because it's really hard. And I think we all kind of need to take a step back and realize that these kids have experienced something that fortunately we never had to, you know, so when you think about kids who are missing prom or kids who are not getting to walk across the stage at graduation, these incredible milestones that might feel different to us as adults, but to them, that's the most real situation. And same with, you know, even an older elementary kid who really just misses recess on the playground to them, that is the biggest deal. Um, and I think we can all understand what it feels like to be missing out on things right now. Yeah. So I think the more that we can empathize and understand one another and connect, I think that'll help us all get through it. Yeah. Very well said. Um, because I think especially for these older kids, I have seen a lot of really awesome stuff. And this is again, the power of technology, man, like these Mm -hmm. kids that have been getting prom, um, you know, John Krasinski put, you know, from the office, like put on a, a prom and, and had like the Jonas Brothers and Billie Eilish. Yes, and, like, all these so people. sweet. Like, it's so cool to see what communities are doing to help these kids out that in, in a really crappy situation, a, a crappy experience for your senior year. Um, lots to miss out on. Uh, and at the same time, technology is really transforming it to give you something and it's really special. Uh, so I think that's super cool. Um, no kidding. I saw a neat quote mm-hmm. that said the world came together as we all stayed apart. And I thought that was a really cool uh, way to describe what's happening right now. I completely agree. I think we have a lot to be grateful for right now, including technology and the internet, but also just the time of year, I think is so incredible right now. Can you imagine having this during February it's raining all the time and it's dark all the time. You know, for example, my kindergartners, you know, one of their challenges is to get out and find signs of spring and write about them and things like that. I think that we, you know, have been fortunate in that sense that we're getting some good weather at least out of it. Totally. You know, I want to think about some other parents that listen to this show, uh, parents with kids with special needs, Mm -hmm. um, a variety of different learning disabilities or situations of that effect. What are some things from your perspective? I've had a lot of, uh, of different experts on the show uh, talking about ways to work with kids with special needs and even in this situation. Uh, but from your perspective, I'd be curious, like how should parents meet those kids at where they are? Yeah, it's such a difficult scenario. It really is. This is such uncharted water for everybody. And I think that one thing that if I could say to every parent out there right now is, The teachers that teach your children are 
really struggling. You know, I'm, I was just telling you, Alex, I've been in parent teacher conferences and I cried in every conference today. I genuinely just miss my kids. I miss seeing them every day and being able to just share in their joys and help them through their struggles. And I think that parents of children who have special needs, whether physical or educational or whatever it may be, I think that that bond between a student and a teacher is really special. Um, And so I would encourage any parent who, you know, who can or who is feeling overwhelmed or who is concerned about their child, reach out to the teachers that your child has or has had in the past who they connected with well. This is a time where teachers and educators and administrators around the world are really putting a lot of emphasis on connection um, and trying to help kids feel that. Because like I said, the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, kids need to feel connected and safe. And I think if you see that your child is floundering and is not, um, you know, is not themselves, I think that reaching out to all the people that you know love them is a great resource. Um, One thing that I think has been a really common theme in a lot of the conversations that I've had in all these Facebook groups and all these group texts of educators that, you know, I'm friends with all across the country is we don't want parents to feel as though they have to do the same thing that would be happening at school right now. We recognize that we are pushing out new material or in some cases not. You know, there are a lot of school systems that are not pushing new material. They are going to keep reviewing and keep strengthening skills. And it's going to be a little bit different for everyone. But I think across the board, what we can all take solace in is when we go back to school, teachers know what's happened. Teachers recognize that not only will we be looking at the summer slide, but also the distance learning slide, which is completely never happened before. Um, So just like any other year, you know, your kids are going to go in with a fresh clean slate and their teachers are going to get to know them on a personal level. Their teachers are going to do assessments and figure out their launching point for the year. And I just, you know, one thing I've said to parents a lot is I don't want them to stress about them, the children necessarily falling behind because it's true. There might be gaps, you know, there might be things that they're missing, but that doesn't mean that they're not going to learn them because every teacher in Virginia, in America, in the entire world is going to approach the beginning of next year much differently, Um, you know, kind of knowing that that's a possibility. So just kind of trust the process. Don't be too hard on yourself. We are all trying to figure this out, but lean on those teachers because we love your children and want to support in any way we can. Yeah. And I, I'm also, I've said on this show quite a few times that like, uh, uh, teachers, it's like, it's a calling, man. You, what you guys do, it's a calling. And I think that, um, knowing, knowing you in the way that I see you interacting with Aria and hearing the stories of your kids, um, it's, it's really inspiring. Um, and, and actually I'd, I'd like to visit that. Like, what was your inspiration for wanting to become a teacher in the first place? So I became a teacher backwards. I did not do it the right way. I always um, kind of rejected the idea. My family has a lot of teachers and I always thought there's no way, there's no way. 
Um, so, you know, when we were in college all of those years ago, Alex, mm-hmm. I was, you know, a communications major and I thought I was going to go into event management, um, which is ironic now with Deanna and yeah. her position. Um, but I graduated from college and I spent some time traveling and came back and, you know, desperately needed money as lots of people after college do. And I got into the nannying gig and I thought, you know what, why am I fighting this? So that's when I actually went back for my master's degree and realized that this was kind of what I meant to be doing. And I, um, you know, started working in the classroom and getting my master's and started my education career. And it just fit, you know, completely perfectly. I absolutely love my job. I have an incredible um, you know, chance to be involved in all these little humans lives. And I think that I definitely do a lot of teaching, but I do much more learning than I do teaching. They're incredible humans. And I, you know, I say that to parents a lot. They're not just kids, they're human beings, and they're growing and learning every day. And to see their development is honestly such a blessing. I'm so grateful to be able to be a part of it. And this is a big reason why I wanted you on the show is because you exhibit this very genuine, uh, like you, you found your calling, right? Like it's yeah. like you, you've obviously found something that you're passionate about that you love. Um, you genuinely love these kids. I'm, I'm in awe and Deanna and I always laugh about the stories that, that you tell and like just watching, uh, your passion with, with this sort of thing. It's, it's really cool. So It's true. I have an incredible opportunity to go to a job every day that I absolutely love and leave every day, um, you know, with a full heart. And that doesn't mean that every day is easy because teaching is a roller coaster. And there are days that I leave, you know, crying in my car and there are times where I feel totally defeated. Um, but the root of it is just pure love and pure joy. And I think that's where kids really have a lot to teach us in life. You know, I think that's really special. That is so true. Well, um, you know, Becca, you, you've provided so much wisdom on this show. Thank you very much. Oh, and I, I, I wanted to just find out, do you have any resources or anything that you would recommend parents check out, uh, just during this time or just in general, even? Mm-hmm, absolutely. So I would again say anybody looking for things to engage their children, you know, look to your teachers. Your teachers are incredibly wise as far as things that they can provide you and, um, you know, apps and websites and all these kinds of things. Um, I would say, you know, it never hurts to go down a little bit of a Google hole um, as far as looking for free resources. There are tons of websites that have made themselves free for um, an extended period right now for parents to be able to create accounts that would typically cost money. And there are so many resources out there. You know, Pinterest is a great one to find things like virtual field trips and zoo live cams and all these kinds of things. I think honestly, at this point, so much has been provided for people to be able to go and look at um, that a quick Google search would fill a whole afternoon for you and your children. And that is across age groups. That is not just for the younger ones. Um, But yeah, lean on your teachers, ask for some support because they, I guarantee you have a whole wealth of resources and just do a little looking up of what's working for other people. Um, 
But I think at the core of it, what I would say to parents who are home with children every day, there is nothing about it that's easy and nothing about it that's normal. But I hope genuinely that one day you look back and think, man, I'm glad I got that time with my kids. So spend time in the kitchen, spend time telling jokes, spend time around the table and doing things together and make some memories because that's what your kids will remember. And that's what's going to shape them as humans. Beautiful words. Thank you very much, Becca. I really appreciate your perspective on this show. Again, our guest has been Becca Colbreth. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. This was fun. Big thank you to Becca for sharing such great knowledge and wisdom and just affirmation that, you know what, we're all doing the best we can. I think that's one of the biggest takeaways I got from that conversation. I think we all need to be a bit more forgiving of ourselves, of others during this really hard time. Also, we should really celebrate teachers and everything that they're doing. So to all the teachers out there who may be listening to this show, big thank you for what you're doing to support us parents. If you want to chime in on everything that we talked about today, you can email the Dad Chronicle podcast at gmail.com. And also make sure that you don't miss a single episode. If you head over to thedadchronicle.com, you can subscribe to your favorite podcatcher for free. And if you'd like to support the show, there's a link there to become a patron. Consider supporting at a monetary value that makes sense for you and your family during this time. Um, but every bit of that money goes towards the production and the costs of this show. And I do greatly appreciate all of the love and support from all of our patrons to date. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. We'll see you next time. If you like this show, check out more great content at incastmedianetwork.com.